Amen. Well, good evening, church. Tonight, I have a great privilege because I get to introduce our guest preacher who will be bringing us God's word. Uh, he is absolutely no stranger to us here at Hope Ottawa. His name's Eric Ricard, uh, and he comes to us from the Eglise Doxa Church Plant in Quebec. Eric, along with his wife, Marie Michelle, and their four precious kids, along with their core group as well, have become very dear friends to us over the last number of years. And uh, we are so blessed to be able to strive side by side in the gospel ministry together with them both now and the days to come. And so uh, please remember to keep them in your prayers. Specifically, we want to uh, keep them in our prayers for them to be able to meet together in person again soon. Uh, due to the COVID restrictions, they're un unable to do so at this time in Quebec. Pray for the Eglise Doxa core group for unity, faith, humility, and fervency for the Lord. And number three, pray for Eric, for his family, for strength, courage, and for protection from the Lord. Please, please definitely be in prayer for them. God is doing a great work there, and, uh, and we are so blessed to be able to labor side by side with you guys, Eric. Now let's put our hands together. Let's give Eric a warm Hope Ottawa welcome as he brings the word to us tonight. Thank you, Kevin. I'll take that off. Ah, so great to be with you tonight. Like Kevin said, we are... Um, we are uh, not meeting as a church together for uh, over a month now in Quebec. And um, we are so, so eager to get back together. Uh, like he said also, like he said that Doxa is uh, on your heart, guys. But uh, you are also on our heart for a long time. I met your pastor, Pastor Ray and Natalie, uh, in 2015. And the first time we ever met was in the home of one of the elders in Oakville. And the first thing we ever uh, did together uh, was pray. <laughs> I remember being in the living room there and uh, Pastor Ray was on his face and crying out to the Lord to, uh, for him to plant a church here in Ottawa and, and look what the Lord has done uh, through all these years. I, uh, I'm also very happy to see my brother Jim in, in the back there. I remember... Uh, doing his uh, membership interview in Oakville <laughs> in 2017, I think, something like that, and uh, loving him instantly and his heart for the Lord to serve him. And what a joy to see him uh, move here and, and help this church <clears throat> to grow. And, and Kevin was here from day one, and, and Amanda and, and Victoria. I, I love so many of you guys. I love all of you, and I'm so happy to be here. Um, Ray called me on Thursday, <laughs> and he was really sick, <laughs> and I, I was uh, praying with him over the phone, and, and just hearing his voice that was very different, he seems very, very sick, and I said, okay, I can come and visit this church, it, it will be such a pleasure for me to, to come and bring the word here, so here I'm, I, I am, <clears throat> and tonight we will be looking at, at one verse in the Bible, one verse only in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 
and we'll be looking at verse 18, and it's a, a, a verse that is so, uh, so important, so precious to me for so many years. The Lord has uh, showed me through that verse what uh, is supposed to be my, my ministry or, or my calling, not even as a pastor, but as a Christian. And that's what I want to share with you uh, tonight. Last time I, I came here, um, we were still, we are still in, in the building a core group phase in, in close to Montreal. We were like 10 people at that time. This summer we begin, uh, there's a church that approached me. Uh, the lead pastor of that church was going to retire one month later. And he said, you know what? We're not meeting in our church anymore. We are in transition and all of this. And if you want, you can come in our church building and, and do a church service on Sunday morning. So I don't know if you ever heard anything like that. For me, it was the first time in, in all my Christian life that a, a pastor in a church said, come and meet in our building and, and preach the word and, and do your thing. So we began meeting there in uh, May. And uh, we were 13 people, faithful, saying, we believe if we open the word and begin to, to preach it and worship the Lord, uh, the Lord will do his work. And, uh, and the Lord did. We are now 35 adults meeting together weekly. Uh, many um, people that are so passionate about God that are joining forces with us to plan that church. And, and Charles, that is with me tonight, is one of them. He's transitioning to, to join us and help us for this work. And we are so thankful to God. So thank you for your prayers. Thank you so much. Please keep praying for us. So... At that time, you should have been able to turn in 2 Corinthians 3. <laughs> tonight, I, I only want to do one thing, okay? I came here tonight with, with only one desire. I, I pray, and I prayed, and I still pray in my heart right now that, that your desire for the Lord will be uh, just uh, raised. And that tonight I will just stoke the fire of your passion for the Lord's glory. And that you will leave this place saying, Lord, I need you so much more. Lord, I want to worship you more. I love that we just sang to the Lord together. We worshiped him with all our hearts. These songs that we just sang were centered on Christ and on the glory of God. And I would just continue in that same way. You know, worship do not finish with the songs. We are still worshiping through the preaching of the word, through the receiving of the word, and through uh, community, communion with each other. So um, one thing I want to do is just to stoke that fire of your passion for the Lord's glory. You know, one, one day a guy asked me, a brother of mine asked me a question about the church. And he only said this. He said, what if church was really about God. You know, in our world right now, where everything is so centered on men, so centered on ourselves, on individuals, what if church was really about God? When you come to church, are you coming here tonight with the, the desire to say, Lord, please help me to become a, a better person, to, to, to gain more money, or to, to have this or that? Or are we coming here to worship the Lord? It's as simple as that. So the, the main idea is really, really, really simple. I love simple. I love simple and clear. Maybe it will be the, the most simple message you heard in your life, but <laughs> here's the, the main idea. There's nothing more fruitful for a believer than spending time with God. There's nothing more fruitful for a believer than spending time with God. Let's read 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. 
Paul tells the, the Christian church, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Let me pray again. Oh Lord, it's a privilege. We recognize it as a grace to be able to meet together to fix our eyes on you, to fix our eyes on Christ, to, to see you in your beauty, in your glory. Lord, I pray tonight that in the simplicity of this text, in the simplicity of this message, that each one of our hearts will be so gripped by the things that are of first importance. Lord, I pray that we'll be so passionate about the main thing. That is to look to you, to behold you, to adore you, to worship you, to see you as you are. And just to love that. I pray, Lord, that we will be amazed again by, by your greatness by your power, by your strength, by your holiness, by who you are, and that it will leave us changed. Lord, I, I come here with, in weakness, knowing that I am so dependent upon you and that my brothers and sisters are so dependent upon you. So we ask you, Lord, do what only you can do in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. We all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. And that is from the Lord who is the Spirit. First point, the time that we spend with God, the time that we spend alone with God, looking at Him, is a time to cherish the glory of God. We'll spend more time in this first point. The, the, the main thing that Paul is saying here is that we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord. This, the first thing that we are doing in this text is that we are called to behold the glory of the Lord. So let me ask you this question. When you think about your, 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 your time with the Lord in your own life, when you think about spending time with the Lord, even coming to church, do you first think about asking things to the Lord? I mean, it's not, it's not bad. Requests and, and asking the Lord is not bad. Jesus taught his disciples to ask, knock, and seek. And the Lord loved to answer those prayers. I love prayer warriors. I have a prayer team that, that I'm sending prayer requests almost every week saying, please pray this and ask this from the Lord uh, for, for me and for the church. It's not bad to ask, but is it the first thing that comes to our mind when we think about our times with the Lord? You know, we're talking on the way here about what you say to, to someone who said, I don't know how to, to do it in, in my personal time with the Lord to... Like when you think about your time in, in God's word and prayer, do you first think about, okay, I need to have a list of what to ask the Lord this morning. Like I said, it's not bad to ask, but is it the first thing? I believe that the Holy Scriptures is teaching us that the main thing is not primarily to ask, but to behold, to look to the Lord, to see the glory of the Lord. I believe it's the first thing that we should be looking for. So we, we are not just coming to the Lord to learn how to live correctly 
We don't just come to church. You know, we call that moralism. We don't just come to church to learn how to do the right thing and, and not do the wrong thing and just to have guidance in our lives and, and how we are supposed to live. That, that's good, but it's not the center. It's not the main thing. The main thing is beholding the glory of the Lord. What if church was really about God? Jesus taught his disciple how to pray. And he said, you need to pray like this. And he begins by, hallowed be thy name. And I think the first thing that Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray must be the, the main thing. The most important thing is if it's the first thing, it's because it's the, the thing that you should do first. <laughs> it's pretty clear. When you come before the Lord, is it the first thing that we do? That, that we come before him realizing and understanding in front of whom we are standing. In front of whom we will after that maybe ask things. Paul says here, we all, we all. And, and who is he talking about here? He's talking about all those who are in Christ Jesus. So this text is, it concerns those who are in Christ Jesus. Just in, in verse um, 15 and 16, just before that, he says, To this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. And we'll talk about that, explain this a little bit more later. Uh, and he continues saying, But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. So when he, he's talking about people who with unveiled face, are beholding the glory of the Lord. He's talking about Christians, believers, those who are born again in Christ Jesus. They are the ones who are able to, to see and behold and contemplate the Lord Jesus Christ. For us who believe the veil is removed, we are free to do the main thing, the thing that we were created for. We are created to worship. We see that in our everyday life. We worship almost anything. We look to all kinds of things to satisfy us. We worship all the time. You know, someone said that every time you, you, you say, wow, or you raise up something, it, it's worship. We are worshiping all the time, but we have been created to worship mainly the Lord Jesus Christ, God himself, the Holy Trinity. So here is talking to Christian and he says, you have been freed from this veil. There's, you are unveiled now, but for one thing, beholding the glory of the Lord. It's our, the reason for our existence, the greatest privilege of our life. And to be honest, I really believe that we have not lived until we have begun to worship the Lord and to behold his glory. So what do we see? What, what is Paul saying that we see when this veil is lifted up from our face? The answer is really simple. God, the glory of the Lord. Look here. Uh, Paul is not saying that we are, are looking to all kinds of, of things. He, he says you are beholding the glory of the Lord. Now, there's many ways in which we can see the glory of God. You can see the glory of God in creation. You can see the glory of God in all the things that, that he does. From day one, God has created the world. You go outside and, and you see a beautiful, uh, a beautiful landscape and your heart is filled with, with amazement and you say, yes, I see that the, the creator of this landscape is, is amazing. God is amazing. I see his glory through his work. But, but all of the works of God ultimately are pointing back to him are teaching us something about the one who created these things. All the, the things that the Lord is doing in our life are pointing back to Him. 
We, we do not worship the things that the Lord does. We worship the one who does those things. And the Lord is the one to whom we should look. In Psalm 19 verse 1, you know that, that Psalm probably. It says that the heavens declare the glory of God. And the sky above proclaims His handy work. So we can see the glory of God in all these things. But again, they are not the main thing. And the glory that he is talking about here is the glory of the Lord and not of his work. We talk about who he is here. To give a general definition of, of the glory of God, it's um, someone said that Isaiah 6, verse 1 to 6, is one of the best passages for us to understand what we are talking about when we talk about the glory of God. Because, you know, the seraphims are, are, are singing around the throne of God and they're singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And then they add, the whole earth is filled with, and maybe we will think about holiness. But no, he says glory. Because the holiness of God is the definition of who he is. It's, God is other is different than everything else. Is the only one in his camp. He's the only one like that. God is holy, is different. And the manifestation of who he is is called the glory of God. So the glory of God is the manifestation of who he is, of his character, of his attributes. So we need to behold who God is. That's what we are called for because there's nothing above him in excellency. There's nothing above him in beauty, power, glory, name it. God is the most beautiful that exists. And, and that's how you know if someone is born again. Do you consider God beautiful, majestic? When you look to God, do you think, oh, that's very interesting facts. I understand that God is like this and like that and everything makes sense in my head and I'm like, okay, that makes sense. I agree with that so I will become a Christian. Or when you think about the people that met even angels or people that had vision of God or they just looking at the, the revelation and saying, that's an interesting fact. They fall on their face and worship. It's, it's amazing to, to behold and to see the glory of God. There's nothing better so one question that we have so often when we think about the glory of God is this many people would say but it's not really practical to just talk about who God is we can just understand and say okay God is like this and like that but but what is it supposed to do in my life does it change anything like to understand who God is it's not practical it's just okay I, I see that it's like that and but I want to show you that it's very, very practical. Seeing and beholding the glory of God does something in our lives. It does something in our heart. To use Peter's, the apostle language in 1 Peter 3, have you tasted that the Lord is good? He's using that specific word to communicate a truth. It's not just... Have you understood that the Lord is good? Have you tasted that the Lord is good? And tonight, the only thing I want to do now in this section is just to talk to you about our glorious God. And my desire is that your heart will be filled with, with amazement, with worship, 
That, uh, that as we talk about who God is, that you're, you come to church to hear about God tonight. It's a good thing, right? It's a good thing. So it, it, my desire is only to, to bring you to the, the, the edge of the mountain and, and point to this beautiful landscape and for you to say, wow, that's my God. And it's, it does something in my life. In 2017, I went to, uh, on a mission trip to Romania. Someone went to Romania here? Some of you know. I went with uh, a, a team from uh, Hope Oakville. And uh, we went there, and it was amazing. We landed in Buc Bucharest. I don't know if I pronounce it correctly, but we landed there. <laughs> and then uh, we drove to a camp in the wood, and we were doing discipleship during a, a whole week. And uh, on our way there, there was a lot of Romanian people selling all kind of stuff on the side of the, the road. So we stopped often with the, the minivan, and, and, and I spent all my money there. <laughs> so we arrived there, and I bought a little robe for my daughter, and I bought some bow, bows and arrows for my boys, and, and, uh, and I had no money, so I didn't need it. So I, I went to the camp, we did the discipleship training, and when we came back... One of the days in the planning was to, uh, to go visit a city named Brashov. And there, all the people that still had money <laughs> went for an hour and a half of spending their money and shopping in that beautiful city. I didn't have any money left. So I arrived there and say, okay, go shopping. And I looked to my right and I saw that beautiful mountain that was just there. It was the, the, the big letters written Brashov in the mountain. It was beautiful. So I said, Maybe I have time to climb that mountain uh, during their shopping. So I, I began to run and go to that mountain and began climbing, and, uh, and time flew. It was higher than I expected. So I arrived there, and there was this, you know those, those signs to, um, to tell you, maybe you will meet with a bear during your climb, or a wolf, or a lynx, and, and all those animals on, on the sign saying, we just want to tell you, we're not responsible if you get eaten by one of these beasts. So you go, uh, and, and I said, I'm here, so I, I better just run. So I begin walking up the mountain, and, uh, and there's some, it's not like the mountain we have here. In Quebec, we have some mountain that we can climb. It's a beautiful path you can walk on. There it was, really small path. There's some places you have like two feet and you can just, you walk and you see the, the, the downfall that you can maybe experience if you're not very careful. I met a couple at some point and I needed to, to just stand on, on, the, on the edge like that and let them pass in front of me. It was not really easy to climb that mountain. But when I arrived at the top and when I saw the view, it was so worth it. It was so beautiful. I could see the whole city. I could see all the, the colors. I could see the clouds even. It was, it was so beautiful. I was exhausted and I needed to go down back to join the group. But, but, you know, I can describe to you the view I had that day. I can describe to you the color of the... the, the it's all the same color there in Romania, the, the, the roof of the houses. It, it was just beautiful, the trees and everything. But you will never be able to grasp the beauty of the place, unless I take you and I bring you there and I point and I say, look, look how beautiful this is. That's what I want to do with you right now. I want to bring you before the glory of God and just point and just point to the Lord and say, look, look how great and amazing our God is. So listen carefully. 
um, like the, the path in Brashov, it can be harder sometimes to, to, to do that exercise, to, to look at the glory of God, but it's always worth it. I want to tell you about some of God's attributes, and then I'll finish with my second point. And please, Lord, change our heart. Just think about this. When we think about the attributes of God and who God is, and we think it's not practical, listen to this. There's nothing that can bring you more comfort when you feel excluded or rejected or even when you don't feel loved than to behold the God who is love. Love is not something that, that, that he only does, but it's who he is. When you, you are in Christ, there is nothing you could ever do to separate yourself from the love of God manifested in Christ Jesus. That's powerful love. In Romans chapter 8, verse 38 to 39, it says, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's powerful love. God is love. And when you behold the God who is love in your time with him, it does something. Your heart is comforted in him. It's reassured. I know that my God will never leave me. I know that my God would always love me, whatever I do. You know, sometimes you think about your salvation, and you think about the fact that if it was not from, for, for God's love, I would be lost. Even after I, I believed in Christ Jesus, I continued to do the things that I, want, that I, I don't want to do. I continue to think the things that I don't want to think. But praise the Lord, it's him who holds me in his hands. And his love will never let me go. Think about this. There's nothing that could bring you as much peace when you fear a future than to behold the sovereign God. Even in this season. To know that our God is on his throne. The Bible says that the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. Proverbs 21.1 when you behold this God who reigns over everything that exists from eternity past to eternity future and by whom not a bird falls from the sky without his permission. The Lord who knows the number of air on your head at all time. Look at Matthew 10, 29, Luke 12. He reigns on the infinitely big and the infinitely small. All the atoms follow the will of the sovereign God who orchestrates all things according to the counsel of his will. Read Ephesians 1. He is the undisputed ruler of the universe. And when you behold the sovereign God in your time with him, it does something in your heart. We find peace and calm in resting in his hand. Because we know that nothing else, nothing else can, can offer that to us. In this craziness of, 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 of COVID and all the uncertainties that we are going through, what a relief and a peace can come in our heart to know, not like the other people who fear the future because they don't know what will happen. We know that we are in the end of our God. Does it do something to, to know that God is sovereign, to behold the sovereignty of, of the Lord? Again, listen to this. There's nothing that can bring you as much confidence when in doubt and uncertainty than to behold the perfectly wise God. The one who never deceives you or tricks you. The one who never takes a bad, think about that, the one who never takes a bad decision, never. The one who never makes mistakes and can never regret any of his choices or decisions because he always knows the best thing to do. And he always does it. 
His wisdom is informed by his perfect knowledge. He cannot be wrong in anything because he knows the end from the beginning. That's our God. Our God knows everything. When you behold this wise and all-knowing God in your time with him, you surely grow in wisdom and understanding and you get confidence to kill your doubts and uncertainties. To behold God does something just to know who he is. You can rest in him. You know, it's better to rest in him than in any other hope we have. I give you more. There's nothing that can bring you more joy. Listen to this. Nothing that can bring you more joy than to behold the God incarnate who came to seek and save the lost. Corrupted rebels destined to hell in their sin. This God made flesh who humbled himself in becoming a simple man. The one by whom everything was created, passing through his creature's uterus. Can you think about that? Becoming a simple man to come live a perfect life of righteousness in order to transfer to us his own righteousness. To us sinners who are not able to be righteous before the Lord and earn our salvation. salvation. To to behold the God incarnate who offered his own life on the cursed wood of the cross in order to take our place and pay for our sin. To absorb the full wrath of God that was prepared for us. Him who knew no sin became sin that we can become the righteousness of God and be reconciled with him. Jesus Christ, the God-man, is the clearest manifestation of God's glory. John Piper said this. I put it on the screen for you. He said, the apex of the glory of God is the grace of God. The, the, the apex of the glory of God is the grace of God. And he says, the apex of the grace of God is the death on the cross of Jesus Christ the Lamb of God. When you behold the God incarnate, it does something in your heart. When you behold the one who takes away the sin of the world and who prepares a place for you in heaven, when you behold Jesus, God the Son, in whom we find life, in whom, in whom I, our faith rests, when you behold the glory of God incarnate, you are filled with the joy of your salvation afresh and restored in His amazing grace. We sang, we sang tonight about the glory of God, about the cross. Is there anything that can bring you more joy than the cross of Jesus Christ? Knowing that he paid for what you will never be able to pay to give you what you will never be able to earn. Christ Jesus, to behold him is so precious. The last one. Is there anything that can give you more assurance than to behold God the Helper, the Holy Spirit sent by the Father and the Son to come live in us? The God who opened our eyes to see the glory of God. The one who who ripped apart the veil that was on our face to, to, to make us able to behold in the first place. Him who makes us children of God through the new birth as Jesus told Nicodemus. Him who gives us the ability to fight sin every day. Who reveals to us the things of God. Who forms Christ in us and produces the fruit of the Spirit of God. Nothing can bring us more assurance than to be all the one who makes us cry, Abba, Father. Who testify to our spirit that we are children of God. Where can you find more assurance than in beholding God the Holy Spirit? When you behold Him. 
you're filled with the assurance again of your salvation and that all of God's promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. So we can spend time to talk about the thankfulness that comes from beholding the patient God who is not making his judgment fall quickly on us, but is patient. We could talk about how our hearts are supposed to melt in front of the mercy of God. Our our own wrath and, and, and hatred is diffused when we behold the justice of God that will judge every sin and good deeds in the end. We could talk about the stability that we get from beholding his faithfulness, which is the rock under our feet. Tell me, do you begin to think that time spent with God is useful? Do you begin to think that beholding the glory of God really does something in your life? That's the most important thing you can do in your whole life. That's the, the thing that I repeat so often to the people in our church and people that I meet in my life. You can never have a better study or more, a more fruitful study in your life than to study the attributes and character of God. By A.W. Tauser on the attributes of God. How, how wonderfully he describes our great and awesome God. A.W. Pink, Paul Washer made a study that you can fill uh, the blank about the, the glory and the attributes of God. That's the most important study you can make in your life because you cannot believe all the promises of God unless he is who he is. So beholding God is the most precious and important thing we can do in our lives. Brothers and sisters, it's as simple as that. You begin to feel that desire raising in, in, rising in your heart just to say, Lord, I just want to spend some time with you to look at you, to, to find you in your word and to, to see how awesome you are and to worship you. If Paul stopped here, it will already be so awesome. But he adds something. And the second point would be a little bit shorter. Paul says something that can be a little hard to believe. Point number two, a time to be transformed into the image of Jesus. He says that we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of God. And he he, he had this, or being transformed, or being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So take a moment to think about this. I just spent many minutes talking about how glorious this God is. I just spent many minutes talking about the the awesomeness of God, how great he is, how awesome our God is. And then Paul says that if we behold that God, we can begin to look like him. No? You just, this awesome God, when you behold him, you can be transformed from one degree of glory to another into the same image. This is absolutely amazing. It's crazy when you think about that. How is it possible? I don't know for you. But when you begin to look at your own life, I said it in the beginning, but when you begin to look at your own life, when you begin to, to look at your, your own progress or your, your own heart, please just think about that for a minute. All the things that went through your mind even today. When you think about that, don't you, don't you say, man, how can I be such a sinner still? You still do the things that you don't want to do. You still think the thing you don't want to think. You still say some stuff that you are ashamed of. When we look 
at ourselves, when we look at our own life, when we are trying to compare with other people, it's so easy now with social media and all of this. When we try to, 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 to you know, do self-help and we try to, to make ourselves a better person by looking inside, we fail every time. It's discouraging, it's heavy, it's sad. And that's exactly the point that, that Paul is saying here. He's saying, stop looking at yourself. That's not the way to be transformed or to be changed. The power is not in yourself. The, the transformation doesn't come by making all your effort to, to perfect yourself. The transformation comes when you behold the glory of God. Isn't that amazing? We are transformed as we worship. It's so important, sometimes so, so much on the side. When I became a Christian in 2004, some years later uh, happened what we call the neo-Calvinism uh, kind of young, restless, and reform uh, mode. And uh, there was such a, in, in some sense, it's so good. Like there was a, a huge uh, going back to the doctrines of the Bible, a huge going back to theology, and we want to have the truth, and we want to know what God is, says in his Bible. And, and it's really good in some sense. If you look around a little bit, I know some of you know that, but it created kind of a generation of monsters <laughs> where we have such big heads and we know all the truths, but we are not living according to that truth. Where, where we know theology, but theology doesn't do anything in us. Theology is supposed to be the wood in the fire of our worship. Theology is supposed to be what bring us to, to, to come before the Lord and worship and adore Him. It's not supposed to be an end in itself. It's not supposed to be able to, 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 to talk with other people and, and show how much you know. Here, we are transformed by beholding the Lord when we look at glory and not at ourselves. Here, uh, Paul is talking about that veil on our face and, and um, he makes reference to Moses. When Moses was in the wilderness with Israel, and Moses was taking time with the Lord, receiving revelation from the Lord, receiving the law, having this conversation with God, he was going up a mountain, and he was meeting with the Lord, and when he met with the Lord, the glory of God was so powerful in this encounter, and like we know of no other people that met the Lord like Moses did, but he was in front of the Lord talking with him like a man talked to his friend, and the Lord's glory was so powerful that it did something to Moses' face. Moses was going down the mountain, going to see the people of Israel, and his face was glowing, we would have loved to see what it looks like in, in truth, right, Kevin? <laughs> but when you see his face shining like that, it's coming out of the presence of God, and the presence of God did something. It's like it, it imprinted the glory of God on his face. And when he came in front of the people, the people were afraid of the glory of God. They were not able to see even the reflection of the glory of God on the face of Moses. That's what Paul is talking about here. And one of the, the most important verse in the Bible talking about the effect or the impact of sin is Romans 3, 23. You say, I need to make an effort to say three in English. Romans 3, uh, 20, 23. So I put it everywhere now. <laughs> when he says that we all have sin and fall short of the glory of God. 
That's the most sad impact of sin. It's not that we are going to hell. It's not that, 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 that we, uh, the most sad impact of sin in our life is that we are cut off from the glorious presence of God. We are not able to look on glory and enjoy it and know God. The people of Israel were an image of that. And it was an external illustration of something internal. Their sin was making them unable to look at the glory of God on the face of Moses. But Paul says, we have something way greater now. The Spirit of God free us. The Spirit of God comes in us. And He, he frees us to be able to behold the glory of God and not be afraid. Or not be blinded, even in the chapter 4, just after he will teach that the devil is blinding us so we are not able to see the beauty, the splendor of the glory of God on the face of Jesus Christ in the gospel. So because of sin, we are blinded and we are not able to see the glory. But through the Holy Spirit, when God comes and regenerates us, when God comes and gives us new birth, we are not able to behold glory and be transformed into the same image. If you were never amazed before the glory of God before today, maybe you need to, to pray right now and say, Lord, remove this veil. For me, it's just like coming to church. It's just, it's just another Saturday, like your pastor loved to say. It's just another meeting. It's just another prayer. It's just another time in the Bible. Pray, ask the Lord, Lord, remove this veil. Help me to see, not only to understand, but to see and taste that the Lord is good. Because he is. John Chrysostom, who is uh, one of the greatest preachers of the first thousand years uh, of the church. Uh, Chrysostom is not really his last name. It means golden mouth. He said this about this passage, the difference. He said this about the difference between uh, Moses with the glory shining on his face and us with the glory shining from the inside out. And he says, And this ex external glow was nothing in comparison with the glory that shined inside. What Moses had on his forehead, the disciples had in their souls and in a far better way. When we behold the glory of God, this Glory is being transferred into us. I think it's Piper who said, beholding is becoming. When we look at God, we are transformed into the same image of God and we begin to look a little more like Him. So it's not legalism. It's not trying to change yourself to gain the love of God. It's not trying to, to, to build yourself up to, to gain the favor of God. It's worship. Isn't that what our Christian life is all about? Worship. Worship. So three things to know about this transformation. Then I close. This, transform this transformation that, that happens to us is the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. It says it happens by the Holy Spirit. So once again, it's not our own strength. As we behold, the Holy Spirit is transforming us. He is doing the work and not us. And secondly, it happens in worship by being attracted to beauty. So once again, how's your heart when it comes to the Lord? 
And third, it happens progressively in time. It says here very clearly, from one degree of glory to another. So don't be discouraged. If you look at your life and you say, I'm not really looking exactly like Jesus right now. I can raise my hand really high saying, I am not looking very much like Jesus right now. But that's the thing. He's not saying that if you see the Lord, then you'll be changed in a moment. It will happen one day. In 1 John 3, verse 1 to 3, it says that one day we will see him as he is and we will be transformed into the same image in an instant. But right now on this earth, in our lives, we are being transformed from one degree of glory to another. Don't be discouraged. The Lord is doing his work in you. Just keep pushing. Keep looking at him. Keep beholding. Keep worshiping. And the Lord will do what he has to do. Holy Spirit will do that in you. So um, as the musician uh, come up... Um, just to tell you, you can leave and, and say right now or think, okay, but how do, we, do I do that? Do I just go into my prayer room and say, Lord, I'm here. Make your glory happen in front of me. Make, make your glory appear so I can behold you. Where do I find the glory of God? The answer is really simple, and you probably know it already, but it's in the Bible, mainly. You see, when you read the Bible and you see the work of the Holy Spirit or his, work, uh, his role, you see that the Holy Spirit is the one who is always using the word to change us. Romans 8.13 says, If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the flesh, you will live. In Ephesians 6, it talks about the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. One verse after that, it says that we need to pray at all times in the spirit. So, so obviously the word of God and prayer are the main thing or the main way you can behold and see the glory of God. So in your prayer time, in your Bible reading time, brothers and sisters, the most important question you could ask every time is, where is God in this text? What can I see about the glory and the person of God in this text? Behold, worship, and be transformed. Let's pray together. Lord, I think about this, uh, the heart of David in Psalm 16, 8, where it says, I have set the Lord always before me. And I pray, Lord, that it will be the desire of our heart tonight to set the Lord always before us. Lord, please make, again, this church in Ottawa, the church in, in Quebec, the church in Canada, that we will make church about you, Lord. Not about our little desires and, and our little person. But let church be about you, God. For there's nothing that can do as much in our heart as beholding your glory. There's nothing that can transform us. All the things that we are trying to do in vain. We want to let you do those, these things in our lives. Lord, I pray that my brothers and sisters would just again fall in love with you again desire you we need you lord more than ever we need you lord it's our glory to be dependent upon you it's your glory to be our satisfaction the source of all of our joy so let our relationship be just that 
We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.